That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. That was pretty good. Um, looks like you guys have gotten better at that over the years. Um, just set this down here. Uh, it's been nice this weekend to um, hear all the stories and remember and see friendly faces from out of town. It's kind of cool getting the band back together. Uh, in fact, didn't they do awesome? Aren't they great? It's, um, Jim, especially some folks coming from far, like from Houston and whatnot. Um, and, the, you know, we, there's been a lot of talk about the early days and how we got this thing started. And, and people are asking me, like, uh, you know, are you proud of, I mean, look at what you did. And, and what I say is, like, I, I didn't do this. Um, we did this. Uh, there was an early crowd of people who gathered together with a hope and a dream. Carrie and I moved uh, to Decatur in 2001 with a hope and a dream. And uh, we together and with some of you guys, somehow by a miracle of God, a church got off the ground. And we did everything we could to screw it up and to kill it over the years. And yet people kept coming and God kept blessing. And it's been a fruitful 20 years um, under Stephen's leadership now. And I'm here to tell you that the best is still yet to come. Uh, there will be another 20 fruitful years and then 20 more fruitful years after that, long after we're gone and uh, in the ground or, you know, in the kiln or whatever it is you, uh, you prefer. I, I mean, I don't know. It's your choice. I think Jesus is fine with that. Um, but there's a lot of stories. How many of y'all uh, understood Paul's reference to the dressing like a pirate? 
right? Okay, good. I'm not going to explain it, but <laughs> no, um, there was a guy, David the Pirate, that came here for a long time, and he was a, an unhoused friend and just came to the church every Sunday and uh, kind of looked like a pirate, you know, long hair and just only thing missing was the patch, but kind of a grungy guy. And there's a lot of stories that we could tell. Most of them we can't repeat. Um, you know what I mean, right? How many of y'all know what I mean? How many of y'all ever heard him drop the F-bomb in front of children? Yeah. Um, but there was one time uh, at Christmas, Christmas Eve, he showed up at the Christmas Eve service and he had this big hefty trash bag thrown over his shoulder. I think he had found like a, some kind of a white beard or a hat or something. And I was like, David, what's, what's with the garbage bag? He said, oh, I, I brought presents for the kids <laughs> that he had spent the last month or so scavenging in the dumpsters and whatnot. And I was like, okay. And they were wrapped in newspaper. And he went out after church when the, when the kids were walking out after the service, he just started passing out these presents. And it was awesome. You know, and the parents weren't like, ooh, don't touch that. They were like, thank you. What did he give you? What did he give you? And it would have been like a you know, stuffed bunny missing an arm. And my son got a compass that didn't work. And he loved it. He still has it. Um, and he still remembers David the pirate. And so it's those little things that are so unorthodox and yet somehow deeply part of our story. And people like David the pirate and many others that have come, we realize now that we needed them. Because very often it's people like that that shape our understanding of the kingdom of God. And it's very easy for us to, to have an easy view of the kingdom. And they reminded us that that's not really where the heart of Jesus is. It's much more difficult. And then how many of y'all remember um, when the toilets backed up like 12 weeks in a row? That was awesome. And when I say backed up, I mean backed up. We had to replace the carpet. I think it was like six weeks in a row. It was, it was nuts. Um, and yet people still came back. Couldn't believe it. The staff will remember, early staff will remember, we had to come in early on Sunday mornings to empty the rat traps because the building was infested with rats. And um, it was beautiful. How many of y'all, I, I need to get to the scripture, but <laughs> how, many, how many of y'all remember Sungu Kim? Remember Sungu? He was awesome, part of the original team, and this room didn't look like this, and our lighting system was basically two insanely bright canister lights that Sungu hung up in the ceiling, and he had to plug them in in the back, and every time he did, he shocked himself. <laughs> and it, it was like, like that, and like this. And we expected the, you know, the place to burn down at any time. Um, again, it's a miracle. It's just, it's just a miracle. Um, and I'm grateful to have been a part of it, to have played a part of it um, in the first 17 years. And I look forward to each of you playing a part for the next 20 um, under Stephen's leadership. You guys have been blessed with the pastor and Stephen. So anyway, with that being said, uh, we're going to look at um, Matthew chapter 13. And it's a parable. As we, I love the parables of Jesus. And, and parable means basically, it's a parabole in Greek, it means a comparison or a throwing together. And, and what parables do is it takes one thing and it says, this is like this. And it's supposed to not directly to be a one-to-one -one relationship, but it's, he, they're said in order to make you think, to make you work it out. And they very often have more than one meaning to them. 
And he teaches in parables because he wants us to dive in, you know, to take it to heart and really think deeply about the kingdom. And this one is about the kingdom. In fact, most of the parables are about the kingdom. In fact, the New Testament, the central theme of the New Testament is not about salvation from sin. The the major theme of the New Testament is the kingdom of God, healing the world and putting all things to rights. That's what, the, that's what the New Testament is about because the New Testament is about the king of creation, Jesus himself, coming to earth in order to restore it. Salvation, you know, forgiveness of sins is a part of that. It is, but it's not the point. It's not the point of the gospel. And so he tells this parable about the kingdom. In fact, we see in, in verse 19 that it's about the kingdom. He kind of starts out that way when it's being explained. He said, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, that's what the seeds are, you know, message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in the heart. See, here's the thing. If, if the message and the, the seed that's being sown by God is the kingdom, the healing and restoration of the world. Here's the thing. You can have forgiveness of sin and still uh, not be living according to the kingdom. You can have forgiveness of sin and still be the soil that rejects the kingdom. And, and let's be honest here, and I hope I'm not stepping out of, out of bounds, but then what, what are you going to do? Fire me? You can't do that. <laughs> Is I would say that most of the church in this day and age claims the forgiveness of sin, and I believe it's true, and yet is living like the, the hard-packed soil of the path, and the seed of the kingdom is not taking root. The church, by and large, I think, majority even, is not representing the seed of the kingdom. The seeds in individuals and in groups as a whole is not taking root and transforming the soil. That's why since the pandemic, 30% of Christians have not returned to church. Beloved, the church in America is in decline, steep decline. And I think it's because we haven't been faithful to the kingdom. We've let other things creep in. We've let other things define us. We've let other seeds be planted in our heart. And as we're going to see, the kingdom is the exact opposite of what we hear and what we listen to and what we allow to change our mind and to drive our lives. I mean, think about it. You probably spend more time watching CNN or Fox News, listening to commentary news, Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, than you do in prayer or reading the scripture, don't you? A a number of years ago, right about the start of the pandemic, I stopped watching the news. I won't do it because I realized it was shaping me more than Christ was. And, And I would challenge you, turn that shit off. Don't listen to it. It's garbage. It's not worth it. It's antithetical to the kingdom. How, much, how many of us have gotten more passionate about whatever our political views are rather than the work of Christ in the world? And I'm not judging. I'm there too. 
Anyway, with that being said, Jesus says, the kingdom is different. The kingdom is entire. It works backwards from what we would expect. The kingdom, he says, comes by hearing. Not by doing, not by taking power into our own hands. It comes by hearing, by listening. He says, so open your ears. Now, this is backwards from what we would expect, isn't it? Because let's face it, in our day and age, leaders, people we call leaders, they gain power by getting as many people as possible to listen to them so that we can then ostensibly vote for them. That's how it works. And they get people to listen to them, whether it's by force or by deception or by fear, whatever it is. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is a seed, and that seed is the word of God. And you get that word only when you hear it and understand it, only when you take it into the very center of your heart. And so think about how radical that is. Every earthly leader you know is pretending to listen to you so that you will give them power. Jesus is saying, I want you to listen to me so that my kingdom can give you power. That's the upside-down nature of the kingdom. And so what are we to listen for? We're to listen for the seed. In verse 23, look at verse 23 with me again. Verse 23 says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And then look, you know, it's not again about power. It's not again about influence or in control or anything like that. He said, this is the one who produces a crop, a kingdom crop yielding 160 or 30, or 30 times what was sown. That's what's going to change the world, not any other agendas, whatever they might be. That's what's going to change the world, he says, and it starts with you and me listening, just listening and taking it into the center of our being. That's what's going to heal the world. Jesus says, I am that word and the seed of the kingdom that must take root in your life. In, in John chapter 1, we, we read that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and in him was life, and that life was the light of men. There it is. I love what Tim Keller says about this, God rest his soul. He says, earthly kingdoms are like boulders. God's kingdom is a seed. He says a boulder falls and crushes. It disrupts the ground externally, but the seed falls gently and changes the soil internally. The boulder disrupts suddenly and coercively, but the seed alters gradually and gently. The boulder breaks the land. The seed transforms the land to bring it to life as a forest or a garden. It's just different. Because look, political kingdoms can only change you and me externally and superficially through coercion. But the kingdom of God comes by getting the truth of Christ into your hearts to begin to transform that soil. That's why it's important to listen. See, I think the church today is, is struggling because we think the kingdom of God should operate like man-made kingdoms. We do, and we, we set up our strategies accordingly. 
You know, we are more concerned about elections than we are with the poor and the marginalized. You know, we're looking for the wrong kind of power, I think, in our lives. We think the coming of the kingdom should be different. It reminds me of John the Baptist. Y'all know John the Baptist, right? Uh, He's the guy that came before Jesus, and he says that Jesus, he's not even fit to untie his Jesus sandals and all that. He's saying, no, he's the Messiah. He's the Messiah. And John was having a bad go about it. Um, he had gotten in trouble with one of the powers that be, and he was in prison. And he may not have known this at this time, but he was eventually going to have his head cut off. And so when he was in prison, he sent word to Jesus. He said, go to Jesus and ask him, are you the one that we've been waiting for? And the thinking behind that was, because if you are, if you're bringing your power, can you kind of do it a little more quickly? Because I'm in a bad spot. In other words, bring that power, take control, bring this king down so that I can be free. And what does Jesus say? That's not the kind of power. That's not what I brought. That's not what my kingdom is about. So is this the way the kingdom works? He says, yeah, my kingdom works like a seed. And you see Jesus live this out. I mean, so many times he could have done it differently but he says no my kingdom's like a seed and it starts that's a message of weakness and then it begins to grow and it doesn't grow in the seats of power did you ever notice that that the people jesus goes after are not the powerful ones they're the ones that on the kind of the low ends of society he says it starts like a message and it grows it grows in the heart of my people and the message is this is that the king has come And he has triumphed by being tortured. The king has come and his kingdom is a seed that will have more impact than any boulder or any other kingdom. Simply when verse in verse 23, when someone hears the word and understands it. And so, you know, I ask you, what does it look like for the the seed of the kingdom to really take root in our hearts? And look, guys, I, I know it's not easy. I struggle deeply with this kind of stuff. I want nicer things. I get ticked off at people that disagree with me. Um, In fact, really angry. (laughs) With some of you. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) But are we at least open to listening? To listen to that voice of Christ above any other voice? Because we all have a voice that we listen to. Is that the primary voice? And would that seed begin to take root in your heart and for beauty and hope to begin to grow because you start to see that the way up is is down and the way to be rich is to become generous and the way to change the world is to love and the way to gain power is to serve. You see, it's all flipped upside down. And Jesus says that's the way it is. You know, he says the, the kingdom comes and it, you, he uses the weak to shame the strong and he uses the ignorant to shame the wise. And we don't want to be weak and ignorant. But when we listen, we realize that's what the kingdom is about. You know, Matthew 20, Jesus says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many serve, submit, humble ourselves. You see, because 
you know, the world says, you know, we, we got to use force and violence and coercion. But the reality is violence only breeds violence and politics only breeds corruption. You know, but my kingdom, he says, it brings the power of love and grace. And so, do you want Jesus to change your life? Listen. Just, just listen. Be silent. Be quiet. Because here's the reality. The seed of the kingdom that God is, is throwing over this earth, the seed has fallen on you. Whether you're a Christian or not, it's fallen on you. Whether you're living faithfully, as you, whatever, however you define faithful to Jesus, or you're not, it's fallen on you. Whether you're uh, the beaten path and the hard soil or the thorns and the thistles, the seed is still falling on, on you. Because God sows the seed of his kingdom, the power of his kingdom, across every inch, every molecule of this creation, all of it, none of it is left untouched. The problem is we don't all listen. We just don't. And so the seed is, is, is laid in our hearts. And here's the, here's the thing. You might be in a place in your life where, man, the ground is hard. I just recently had a time like that. I didn't want to hear any of it. I was done. And yet the seed still fell. And slowly but surely, I began to listen. And lo and behold, that soil began to be softened. And I'll tell you right now, it's still in process for me. I still don't know when or how some of that is going to begin to sprout anew in my life. But here's, you can be choked out by the thorns and thistles, wherever you might be, but the seed is still falling on you. And the answer is not to pull yourself up by the bootstraps and say, I got to try harder, you know, I got to be more holy and be nice to old people and whatever that might be, whatever your form of righteousness is, I don't care, there's some weird ones out there, but I, whatever it is, that's not how you're going to get it. You're going to get it by listening, hearing the word, and let it take root in your heart, among the thorns, in the rocky soils, on the beaten path of indifference. Jesus says, when that seed takes root in your life, the fruit of the kingdom will flower and grow and begin to cover the earth with hope and healing of a king who died so that we could live, who was abandoned so that the whole world can be embraced. A kingdom, a king who became weak so his kingdom could take root in your life and so that peace could begin to grow in the world. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. Let him understand. Let me pray for us. Father, our God, our Savior, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we come to you in, in dependence as humble as we're able to be, God, with probably most of us saying, what? I don't know how to listen, but man, I'd like to have different soil in my life. Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you would begin to penetrate our soil, whatever kind it may be, and begin to transform us just a little bit with the power of your presence. God, I pray for this church. I pray for the church as a whole, in this country, in this world, God, that we collectively would begin to listen, that we would stop, that we would shut up before your grace, 
and we would listen so that we might understand the work that you would have us to do. To be a weird and weak and ignorant people because we are people of your kingdom. And Father, may that love and grace and mercy of your kingdom begin to grow 30, 60, 100 times in this world. And we pray this by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen.